Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So by now, you guys kind of know what the story has been here over the course of the last few days. We've obviously spent a lot of time talking about it on this show, that this past Saturday, we saw one of the most memorable games in recent SEC history. And it was the kind of thing that had Athens transfixed because when the Georgia Vandy game ended, the Alabama Tennessee game was just sort of building to its most significant moments. And Georgia fans were watching it. I'm talking about with glued eyes to that screen to sort of see how that played out. And you've heard us talk about that. Many of you were there on hand to be able to experience that. You know what that was. And in fact, the the really significant chatter from this game continues. We have more on that today later on about a pretty serious situation that seems to be unfolding in the aftermath of that Alabama-Tennessee game, which we will get to today. But for some other Georgia fans, there's a little bit of anxiety about this. There's a little bit of thought of, oh my gosh, there's too much talk about Georgia-Tennessee. There's not enough talk about Georgia-Florida. And we've said on this show here that if anybody is going to make sure the focus stays on those, as we like to call them, lousy, stinking Gators and the rivalry that we believe that matters uh, the most for Georgia in this in every year, the Georgia-Florida game. You better believe our show is going to take full responsibility. Eddie the Blind Squirrel wouldn't let us do other than that. Of course we're going to be doing that around here. We just believe that a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. So you better believe we're lock solid, uh, just locked in, rock solid on what's going to happen between Georgia and Florida. But we also believe this. There's kind of a way to do it all, right? That that just because you are looking ahead to what's going to happen beyond Florida does not mean that you are looking past Florida. I want to kind of talk about that here uh, a little bit and kind of tell you what Kirby Smart has said about that and what maybe other folks connected to the program have kind of said about that there as well. Because when Kirby Smart met with reporters on Tuesday night to open his like his his only weekly press conference he was doing with the local media here this week um he kind of gave you a little bit of an assessment of what they're doing here right now and he said something a couple of times that actually kind of ties back into something that we talked about last week of you know how you use this time to both get ready for what's happening right now but also to get ready for what's going to happen in the future here's the first one from kirby smart on the schedule for the dogs this week sunday was uh recovery day off we didn't, we didn't see the guys they had uh treatment but we didn't see them and then uh monday was a recovery day that we put the game to bed and uh looked at future opponents and did some walkthrough stuff uh and got them out of here a little bit get a little freedom and then today we went back to work and uh had some good work today i thought the guys had a really good attitude took on some more opponents for the future and uh we've been preparing mostly as a coaching staff on things we got coming up so if you wanted to do like a really great like clickbait headline, you could say something to the effect of Kirby Smart admits to looking past Florida because right there he just said we're looking ahead to future opponents. And as I said before, there is a little bit of anxiety for some Georgia fans that creeps in because we have been raised by the voices of Larry Munson and Vince Dooley who would kind of get us believing that every opponent must always be fully respected in fact you have to exaggerate that opponent's strengths as a way of making sure you don't look past them there is that just level of anxiety that creeps in of oh we've seen weird things happen between georgia and florida before we've seen you know uh, the wrong team win kind of on both sides of this rivalry maybe at certain points in times over the years that jacksonville is just sort of this weird place where sometimes weird things can happen and there is for some georgia fans a little bit of nervousness that might creep in when kirby smart opens his press conference on tuesday kirby smart smart of all people the most buttoned up and professional of all coaches when he opens up his press conference saying we're looking ahead to some future opponents looking past florida you know looking looking ahead beyond the gators but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way that just because you're looking ahead doesn't mean you're looking past and kirby was even asked about that hey what do you mean looking ahead what do you mean looking at future opponents you got a game coming up against florida what does it mean to look ahead to these future opponents and kirby smart on tuesday talks more about that no we try to work on all of them we uh we don't we don't have enough time you know we only got three days so we we, we, we assign out to the staff uh every team and then they give a presentation to the rest of the staff on that team what they might be doing new from this summer and anything new they're doing this year that we might need to prepare for then if anything's an oddity or it's really different then we we work on it today and uh tomorrow uh and then we 
we start towards uh, Florida on on Thursday. So an important detail that's not as interesting as the what people sort of perceive as the big picture here. When Kirby talks about looking ahead, the vision we all have in our mind is is him looking to the thing that we're all looking at. Because let's face it, I am really interested in the Georgia-Tennessee game. I really am. I've talked to Chip Towers about this yesterday on our show. I think just measurably, this is the biggest home game in Sanford Stadium history. I, I told you that once Tennessee beat Alabama on Saturday, I didn't sleep very good that night. I think I was already getting really, really excited about what I think Dogs Vols has a chance to be on that first Saturday in November. And so knowing those feelings are kind of already kind of bubbling up in me a little bit, even though I'm admittedly going to try to really make sure folks stay focused on uh, Georgia-Florida prior to that, there's a lot of energy about that Georgia-Tennessee game that is undeniable. And so when we all kind of know that, and when you hear Kirby Smart then also saying, we're looking ahead to future opponents, I think it's easy to imagine that he's only talking about Tennessee. But the truth is, that's not the case. When we addressed this topic a week ago, and we were you know, certainly talking a lot about this last Tuesday, I believe it was, when we were addressing this a week ago, it wasn't just Tennessee that we were mentioning there in that regard. The truth is, is that Mississippi State is a very different kind of team, the Mike Leach offense, very different kind of team than you normally face on a week-to-week basis. Alabama's going to play Mississippi State this week. I think you'll see Alabama play Mississippi State different defensively than they play just about anybody else. In fact, most teams, I think would say that they take a different defensive approach to facing Mississippi State than they do against anybody else. We talked last week, or remember about this, kind of comparing it to triple option a little bit in the same way you have to have that sort of you know gap soundness and and, and patience, and, and Kirby kind of made that comparison, that that's kind of what it comes when, it, when you face Mississippi State. That's a team that George is going to see in a few weeks. So when some of Kirby Smart kind of talks about future opponents, it's not just the looming showdown against Tennessee but it's also a very weird kind of offense in Mississippi State. Tennessee is a weird offense, too, compared to what you normally see, and we've addressed that before there as well. But Tennessee's not the only, air quotes here, weird offense that Georgia's about to face. Mississippi State's probably in that category there as well. And uh, after you beat Tennessee, it's going to be really important to beat the rest of these teams, too, which means taking a little bit of time to get ready for that. And even beyond that, way less interesting, but Kentucky has a different offensive coordinator than they had last year, paying attention to how they may be different, at least worth your time. When you have an army of analysts, you got to give them something to do. Why not look ahead to Kentucky? Georgia Tech, who's you know probably the worst team, uh, certainly the worst team that Georgia has left in its schedule, and among the worst teams that Georgia's going to play all year long, they do have an interim coach. They seemingly have played better since then. Are they doing things different now under Brent Key than they did under Jeff Collins? I'm sure that Kirby Smart will spend some time kind of working on all that there as well. But all of that is way less interesting than the idea of getting ready for Tennessee and getting ready for a game in which the secondary market, my gosh, I think the cheapest tickets I've seen are around $500 right now. And you, if you go on some of these secondary ticket websites, you see, you know, f- f- four-digit prices on a lot of these tickets here right now. And so the, the energy would seem to be built around Georgia is getting ready for the showdown against the Vols. But as I said before, this doesn't have to be anything weird. This doesn't have to be anything reckless. This doesn't have to be done at the expense of getting ready for the game that comes next. In fact, we told you last week that there's been enough circumstantial evidence over the course of this year and previous years to say that what Georgia's doing right now, looking ahead to future opponents, is the kind of thing that Georgia does on a fairly regular basis. So it leads to an honest and authentic question. Well, how does Georgia stay focused on the now, as Kirby Smart said before, being where your feet are, what's important now, W-I-N, how does Georgia stay focused on the now while also thinking ahead to the future? This is something that, first of all, that all successful people do, but in Georgia's case specifically, how do you stay focused on what's important now? You've heard Kirby Smart say that a million times while also being aware of what will be important coming up in a couple of weeks or another month or another year. How do you do you do both at the same time? Well, this is where something really interesting happened last week. We had the uh, great former Georgia star, Jake Fromm, who's uh, not only a a former uh, star player for Georgia, but also a really, I think, uh, measured voice, very, very intelligent with the way he talks about the game. We obviously celebrated good news for Jake this week, being picked up by the uh, Washington Commanders. So we're happy for him. But he was with us on the show last week, and so I asked Jake, "Hey, how do you do this? You know, how do you or can you 
look ahead to future opponents. Now, it's fair to point out Jake's a quarterback. He's working with the offense. We're right now kind of mostly talking about the defense, stopping some of these offenses that George is going to play. But when Kirby says, hey, we're going to work some on future opponents, how do you do that? Because we're led to believe it's not just off week that George has done that. You've kind of done that a lot throughout the season, and you did that before the season began. And you've done that not just this year, but previous years. And four years, Georgia has kind of spent some time apparently getting ready for future opponents. So how do you do that without getting the team to lose sight of what the next thing that's going to happen is? And this is where Jake Fromm stepped up and by his own admission revealed some secret information i say that half jokingly because this isn't anything bad this isn't any you know kind of you know this is certainly not a nuclear code here but it is a little bit of insight behind the scenes about how a team like georgia might get ready for what's coming next without losing sight of what's happening right now this is very good stuff from jake Fromm. take a listen to this you know the way coach smart does it and i hate to even kind of bring out a few of the secrets he'll he'll hide it kind of in the schedule without letting the guys kind of know what it is so you'll see some <laughs> Yeah, you, you, I know. I'm, I'm releasing some good secrets here, but uh, they'll, they'll do some uh, good on good, and they'll call it uh, a fastball or a NASCAR, or a NASCAR period. Sure. Excuse me. Uh, and so it'll be good on good, going fast. Uh, usually they do it a couple times a week uh, at the beginning of practice, kind of get everybody loose. But uh, I guarantee you there'll be a good on good period mixed in this week, obviously, and next week, too, of uh, those fastball periods uh, to get guys – in shape, thinking fast, being able to communicate uh, as quickly as possible, uh, and then executing as well. So uh, I would not be surprised if a few of those periods are mixed in even this week as well. So Kirby Smart gets Georgia ready for future opponents the same way my wife gets my kids to take their vitamins or their medicine or whatever else. You just sort of mix it with something else, and you mix it in with enough stuff, and maybe you, they don't quite realize what it is that they're doing. You call it good on good. You call it NASCAR. You call it fastball. And you just sort of do it in the midst of what's already a pretty high-paced, you know, fast-paced you know, paced practice. And you do it. You move on to something else, and you don't really realize, oh, that's the way that Tennessee is going to play us. Or, oh, that's the way that Mississippi State's going to play us. You don't have to say, we're getting ready for Tennessee. You just get ready for what Tennessee does. You don't have to say, we're getting ready for Mississippi State. You just get ready for what Mississippi State does. And same thing for any other opponent that might have you know, kind of been in that category in previous years. I do think that's really interesting from Jake Fromm describing exactly how that goes on. That just because you're looking ahead doesn't mean you're looking past. I mean, Kirby Smart's told us a million times they don't even want to look past the off week. Billy Napier, for what it's worth, also said something similar yesterday. He didn't want to even talk about Georgia until it got to be Thursday of this week. They were trying to follow, as he calls it, their off week process. Well, to a certain extent, Georgia's kind of the same way on that, too. They are very, very careful not to look past whatever's happening right now. But successful people in life are always looking ahead. Successful people in life are always planning for the future, whether the future is next year or next week. That That's just part of being successful. And you better believe Georgia wants success in the game against Tennessee or the game that's going to come after that. And so doing some preparation for that is important. And yet for some Georgia fans, it still circles back around to, yeah, but what about Florida? Well, I think there's a very clear answer to the question of what about Florida. And I think if you are concerned about that at all, I think you have a reason not to be. I'm going to tell you about it, but first, let's introduce the show. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, App and Sports Radio 960 The Ref, a podcast, Apple, Spotify, so many different ways for you to get in touch with us. And we're just really happy to have you with us no matter how you approach the show and how you get with us. Just really, really, really glad to have you with us today. And a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. You know, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. And I realize that's a scary word to use. It's a it's a word that for some of you conjures up some sadness. And listen, I don't say the word lightly. I really don't, because around here we take the job pretty seriously to be the thing that's fun for you and the and the thing that takes you away from the more serious things that are going on in life. And yet I also know this, that in the lives of the, all of the folks in our audience, the people who are just trying to make the most of their one life they get a chance to live, serious things come your way. Things you didn't plan for, things you would never have intended for, but it becomes a reality in your life. And obviously confronting reality is really, really important. For some of you, 
the reality you're confronting does include a divorce. You're either going through it now, you believe you will be going for it uh, in, in the future, or maybe some of you are kind of on the other side of, of that story here right now, but divorce is a reality for an audience the size of ours, at least for a statistical significant portion of you, you're likely going to be uh, facing that at some point in time. So here's what I can tell you. The best decision you can make if you find yourself about to go through this is to hire my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. You say, well, I don't know enough about them yet. Well, okay, I understand that. So take some time to educate you yourself on this by going to their websites, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. You're going to find tons of free resources, blog posts, podcasts, things like that. Because when it comes to the law and how the law can be leveraged to your benefit from the divorce situation, some of this is probably intuitive. Some of this probably just sort of makes sense. Other parts of this might not quite be what you expected they would be. The law sometimes is sort of complicated. That's why you need lawyers because the law can be complicated. But Meriwether and Tharp is really good at explaining what can be sort of a complicated thing, complicated process in a way that makes sense. Every time I've ever had lunch with Bob Tharp or something like that, the one of the partners there, he's always kind of shared some insight with me that I've always thought was really fascinating. And I think the same thing can be true when you have one of those initial consultations with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys. So find them online, the Atlanta divorce team.com. That's the Atlanta divorce team.com. It's Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Contact them today. If you think that you're in the midst of this season of life about to go through this issue, if you look like you might be facing a divorce, you want to know my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, the Atlanta divorce team.com. Uh, that's the website. Your source for Georgia divorce is Meriwether and Tharp. All right, so let's get back into the conversation here as we go around the doghouse. Now we're going to talk to Terrence Edwards here in a moment. Looking forward to doing that. But I want to kind of keep the conversation going that we were just a part of a moment ago as we transition here to Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at ServePro. And let me kind of set the next phase up of this by saying this. When Kirby Smart was first hired as Georgia coach, there was a, a debate that took place among some Georgia fans. And I think this is a very fair question. Kirby being an alumnus of Georgia, did it help him be a better coach at UGA? It clearly made him a better figure to present at the uh, press conference. You've heard it said before that athletic directors want to kind of win the press conference with their coaching hire. When, you got a guy, when, when you've got a guy like Kirby who is as deeply entrenched at UGA as he was, it was pretty easy for Kirby and for Georgia to quote-unquote win the press conference when he was hired uh, because he just knew the backstory of Georgia so well. It's pretty easy for him to do that. But the question that some folks ask, and maybe this was a cynical question, but it's still, I think, a fair question is, yeah, but beyond the press conference, is it worth anything to Georgia that Kirby played for this program, that graduated from the school, that his wife is an alumna of, of this school? Is that worth anything to, to his chance for success at UGA, given the fact that he has deep Georgia roots? And some people may have said yes, some people may have said no, but let me see if I can give you a specific, tangible example of how Kirby being a UGA guy really helps him be the Georgia coach. And it relates to what we were just talking about before. How do you look ahead to get ready for big future games without looking past Florida? And Kirby was asked that yesterday, or asked it on Tuesday night. And I thought he gave an outstanding answer. It's not very long. It's pretty simple. But for a Georgia guy coaching the Georgia team, this is sort of all that really needs to be said, and I think you have to understand UGA to project this in a way that's as matter-of-fact and obviously self-evidently true as the way that Kirby Smart said it. So Kirby was asked on Tuesday night, you're talking about future opponents, you're talking about you know thinking about the future, well, how do you stay locked in on what's happening now? And Kirby gave, I thought, a great answer. Here's Kirby. Yeah, this is Georgia-Florida matchup. I don't think you have to worry about that. I mean, I might understand if it was a, a non-conference or an fcs but that's not going to be the case on, on on georgia florida don't you just love it i just i love every word of it it doesn't need to be a longer answer than that this is georgia florida and by the way i think it, that clip would work well for like the cbs you know intro on the game uh, i just think that that really works well as kind of a pull quote kind of a you know hype building quote it's georgia florida no one's looking past Georgia, Florida. Now, if your coach is from Massachusetts or if your coach is from you know, Utah, if your coach is from someplace like that, then, hey, maybe he doesn't fully understand what Georgia, Florida is. But you better believe Kirby Smart does, even though you know Kirby from time to time in his press conference sort of try to pretend like you know no game is any bigger than the other. He'll say, well, we, Georgia's got a lot of rivalries. And you know, he doesn't like to play along with that from time to time. What you just got right there, though, 
is a little bit more of an authentic expression of what Kirby Smart really believes, of course the Georgia-Florida game is a big game. And it doesn't have to be top five matchup the way that Georgia-Tennessee is likely going to be for it to be a big game. The other team, the fact that they're lousy and stinking, that's what makes it a big game. It's Georgia-Florida. And while Kirby Smart, you know, is talking in a press conference in that sort of sophisticated, very calm and measured way, the truth is we've got evidence from just a year ago that when it's private behind closed doors, when he doesn't think we're all listening, he has a very different way of talking about Florida. So if you're worried about being fired up for the Gators, let's not forget this was just a year ago. You think that guy's going to look past Florida? He said a year ago, physically, I want to break this team. I want to laugh and point at the scoreboard about how bad we're beating them. You think that guy's going to look past Florida? You think that guy's going to not have his attention on the Gators? You think he's going to do that? Of course that's not the case. And as I said, successful people are always planning for the future. Uh, you, you don't have to, to, to be looking past Florida to be looking ahead of Florida. It's sort of the difference between important and urgent. Some of you heard that before. It may seem like it's urgent to get ready for Florida, and to a degree it is, but it's important to get ready for what comes up after that. And Georgia's going to be able to do both of those things. This is why... The coaches get paid as much money as they get paid because you have to be able to process a lot of information at one time to be a successful coach. Georgia's proven capable of doing that before. Kirby Smart's proven capable of doing that before. And maybe the preparation about the uh, Tennessee game is more about what's in, going on in your head between your ears. Maybe the Florida game's more about what's happening in your heart, the emotion that you feel to be as fired up for that game as Kirby Smart it was at halftime a year ago. But Georgia's kind of shown you they have the ability to do both be emotional and fired up when they need to be, to be measured and calm and, uh, uh, you know, uh, approaching from sort of a more cognitive way when, when they need to be there as well. Georgia's kind of shown you the ability to do both and get ready for a lot of things maybe kind of at once. And that may be indeed what is on the horizon here for the dogs as you head towards not just next Saturday in Jacksonville, but everything else that comes up after that there as well. That is Around the Doghouse and it's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And of course, we're happy to have them doing what they do for us because let's face it, when it comes to fire damage water damage we've had some of that here uh with ourselves at dog nation many of you've kind of seen this before there too i hear a horror story sometimes where you know somebody's home just destroyed right or or maybe it's not fully destroyed maybe just a portion of it kind of gets you know damaged by a kitchen fire something along those lines and that can be one of the most harrowing experiences you can ever have and yet the restoration specialists of serve pro that's what they live for that's what they do they're doing that for whether it be people's homes or your your commercial building your your, your business wherever it may be located when significant damage takes place the restoration specialists at serve pro step in to kind of clean it up fix it up and get it back together like it never even happened. That is what uh, Serpro is all about. Also, all the franchises are independently owned and operated. That means when you do business with Serpro, you're doing business with someone who has just as much of a stake in the outcome as you do. That's why that matters. So check out this website. It's servepro.com. Now, serve is spelled S-E-R-V. It's servepro.com. Once again, S-E-R-V, servepro.com. If you've got water damage, if you've got fire damage, if you see a building that you depend on for your livelihood or the place that you live if you've seen it damaged then our friends at serve pro are the name you want to remember and reach out to because they can get it all cleaned up put to get back together for you like it never even happened servepro.com for a lot more on that all right before we're done today it's kind of an important day here around dog nation as we remember back on the life of charlie trippy uh the great former dog uh who passed away yesterday and we will do that here today before our show is done we're an unbelievable legacy he leaves behind and we'll obviously spend some time doing that but before that though uh, a lot to get to when it comes to how Georgia is using its off week what's coming up next Saturday against Florida what's coming up beyond that as the dogs make that push to go for two in 22 so let's talk about that and so much more as we welcome in Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So uh, Terrence Edwards joins us here at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. And Terrence, you are a former player. You're a coach now. So you have 
a lot of insight on this. Georgia gets a little bit of weekend time off, but they're also practicing here right now. Get the rivalry game coming up against Florida. You got major showdowns coming up after that. From your perspective, remembering your own career, kind of how you know football operates right now, what's it like to be a player on this particular week? How much of it is about resting your mind and body? How much of it is about you know getting ready for the most important games of your season, which are upcoming? How does Georgia use a week like the one that it's in the midst of right now? All the above. Uh, just depends on which player needs the rest, which players need the rest. I think that's how this week should be. I think uh, most of the time there's a lot of younger guys that would get a lot more reps this week uh, just to get, continue to get them uh, motivated, continue to stay. Uh, instead of getting scout team reps, they could come down and get some reps, uh, twos versus twos, one versus one, but get some reps against those type of guys because they haven't played a game. So it's both, Brent. It's, it's some going to get rest, some going to get reps. How do you remember yourself being as a player this time of year? I mean, the one thing that we know is is that nobody's probably 100%. You've just taken too many shots across the year to feel 100%. But as a player yourself, do you remember, you know, feeling extra tired, but whether it be mentally, physically, whatever else? Like, what's your memory of being a player when you finally got to that Saturday with no game? And, and how much did you personally feel like you needed your batteries to be recharged once you got to this portion of the schedule? I think it's bye week comes whenever it comes, but it's the perfect time. And what I mean by that is, um, it, this is exhausting. I mean, these guys, uh, college football players, been going at it since you know the summer, and I, I don't think a lot of people really truly understand what it takes <laughs> preparation wise to become the elite athlete that you need to become. So this is the time, I and mean, we all get uh, circled a bye week because it's so mentally and physically draining. Um, you, you need to recharge, and you know the, the Bulldogs now got to me the biggest rivalry up next, and um, you, you can recharge, get refocused, uh, get some of the, the Knicks taken care of, and get ready to go down to Jacksonville and play um, the Florida Gators. So, speaking of Florida, one thing I said before you joined us is is that. I think Kirby Smart's really good at knowing how to like turn on the emotion when he needs to. He gave a great speech at halftime last year that we've all become aware of. Kirby may give a speech like that every week, but that's just one that we happen to hear. But when it comes to the temptation to look past Florida, Georgia may be looking ahead some this week. Kirby's acknowledged that they're uh, – you know, getting ready for future opponents. Jake Fromm gave us a little bit of a description about how that might go when it comes to Georgia practice. But for a guy like Kirby, who secretly we know hates Florida the way that all Georgia grads do, that that when you have that passion for that game, I have said I don't think there's any way that Georgia looks past Florida. You can look ahead without looking past, and I don't think Georgia looks past Florida. Would you agree with that, that the emotional level of the rivalry is going to prevent any temptation to – to kind of look beyond Florida that I feel pretty confident Georgia's going to be ready for next Saturday. As a guy who kind of understands the nature of all this, do you agree with that? Oh, most definitely 100%. And if Georgia comes out flat and, and doesn't play their best like Missouri, it's not going to be because they're looking ahead. It's definitely not going to be because of that. It's going to be because uh, they just didn't play well. This is the Georgia-Florida we're not going to look past this team and look look to Tennessee. I can't admit that I do know that, that some of the staffers is, is probably already breaking down Tennessee uh, because they want to get a jump on it. Tennessee is going to come in hot, but the team, uh, the, the players, are not going to look past Florida uh, and look past Tennessee because you think about it, if we lose against Florida, all the momentum going to that game is going to be lost. So I think that the team the coaches everyone understands what this georgia florida rivalry means and what this game means to all future goals as well and beyond that i mean i think two things are true one of these may be more true for coaches one of the things more true for players to my eyes one of the things that i often see happening in the georgia florida game it just seems like there's more jawing in that game than maybe the other games that georgia plays maybe that's because the rivalry means so much to me maybe i just sort of feel like i'm noticing more of that when it comes to georgia florida but it certainly seems like there's an intensity on the field during the game. It's a little bit different than some of the other games. And I think the players probably noticed that. That maybe caused them to feed off that. But if you're a Georgia coach, here's the other thing you kind of understand here as well, which is that 
hey, you know, right now Billy Napier is trying to build up his program. Right now Billy Napier is trying to establish something at Florida. The longer you can hold him down to prevent that from happening, the longer you can uh, allow Florida to go without establishing any kind of foundation for the next generation of that program, the better it's going to be for you years from now because it just means that Florida will be that much further behind when you start thinking about future years. So even though it doesn't seem like there's as much motivation in this game as there might be for the other games, the truth is, whether it be for the players in the moment because these Florida guys keep talking trash or the coaches in the future because they know eventually Florida's going to try to build itself back up again, there actually is still, I believe, a good bit of motivation to go out there and play well against the Gators. Oh, I think the motivation is the Florida Gators. I don't think there's any other motivation that you need. Uh, I mean, I understand the rivalry. I went 0-4 against the Gators, and a lot of us that my age did not have a lot of success against Florida. Now we're going back to having success uh, against Florida. I don't think this team is going to look past them. They want to be the team that actually I think Pierre's and that group may be be 4-1 against them. So I don't think they want to be the senior class that go out uh, with a loss against them games. So I don't think, you know, all this talking, I think more of the talking is coming from the Georgia fan base and the media more than inside that building that they're going to look past this game and because of the talk uh, about the Georgia-Tennessee uh, in a couple weeks. But those players and those coaches are not going to allow uh, any kind of rat poison, Nick Taven would say, to leak in about looking past the Gators and getting ready for Tennessee. And, of course, you know, we kind of reached the point in the year where, you know, Georgia's played seven games now, and you're kind of sort of trying to evaluate exactly what Georgia is. I think in one respect this is a team that uh, needs to get a little healthier, and Kirby Smart's going to talk some about that. But we've also seen some really good moments from Georgia here thus far. We've seen some moments in which maybe, hey, you know, Georgia's showing you they kind of still have a little bit to work on. As far as your perspective on this, kind of a big-picture standpoint, what do you feel like you've learned about Georgia through seven games? What do you still want to see more of? You know, what is your overall thought on the dogs at this point in the season? Uh, my biggest takeaway right now is probably the lack of sacks that we have generated. Uh, I think that is going to be a uh, big thing that uh, the defensive staff uh, should try to fix. And I don't know if that's blitzing more. I don't know if that's uh, – just coming straight from the D-line uh, with E.T. stunts, uh, T.E. stunts, that's crossing the end to tackles and uh, tackles to ends. I like, we're going to have to do something to just generate pressure. Uh, you do not have to blitz all the time to generate pressure. So uh, I think Nolan Smith and that group going to have to figure out a way to beat one-on-one coverage, or we figure out a way to make it six-on-six, five-on-five on how many they have protection and make it a one-on-one battle. And somebody has to win that their one-on-one battle. So my biggest thing is I know I was looking at some numbers that our passing numbers are is down from last year defensively, but we don't have as many sacks. That was a weird stat for me. But I just think these next two weeks against quarterbacks that's athletic as the two that we're about to face are, we got to generate pressure from our front four and maybe bring one or two. Um, so that's my biggest takeaway is just the – non-pressure well we have generated pressure we just haven't generated sacks. i think that's such a good point and terrence one of the things that kind of rings in my ears here is at the end of the alabama tennessee game one of the things that nick saban said was that he does defense played soft down the stretch now part of that to me is just saban blaming you know be golden for the loss as opposed to maybe taking personal responsibility but nonetheless that word just doesn't sound good, does? Oh, we played soft defensively. We allowed Tennessee to sort of stand there and pick us apart. And, you know, whether it be Georgia-Tennessee or the college football playoff or maybe Alabama in the SEC championship game, like that's the one thing you don't want to see is you want to see Georgia be the aggressor defensively and I think the point you're making is such a good one and like I'm not smart enough to know like how you dial up that to make sure you get the quarterback to the ground Kirby Smart's talked about uh you know teams just getting rid of the football quicker than they used to and it makes you know getting sacks harder so I'm not smart enough necessarily to tell you what you do about that but I know you need to do something because I don't think you want to be in the position of having to do what Nick Saban did the other day which is admit to being soft in a in a big game situation like that I think you got to find a way to be aggressive for all the talent that Georgia's defense had a year ago Terrence it was really their mindset I thought they really approached the game very aggressively a year ago 
And, and to me, finding that level of aggression, or at least something close to that, I do think it's a pretty important thing for these dogs, final five games of the regular season, and obviously whatever postseason stuff comes up after that. Right, most definitely. Uh, you know, th- this is the home stretch. You look at this, the, the, this point of the schedule, this is the meat and potatoes. Um, and you, you got Florida up, you got Tennessee up, you got Mississippi State up, you got Kentucky up. So this is going to tell a lot about this season. Uh, if we could get through this gauntlet, then we would be battle-tested going into that SEC championship game. And whoever presents itself in that game, uh, you know, would still be a big test. It's, test. It's, it's Alabama, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is still undefeated. Uh, I don't think they'll beat Alabama, but they're top of the standings right now. So this, this, is, this is why you come to an SEC school to play this type of, these type of opponents week in and week out. This is why so many – SEC players are being drafted each year because you're playing against the best of the best each week. So this is this is why you come to Georgia. This is why you come to a big-time program to play these games each week. And it, There's no more cupcakes. There's no more uh, out-of-conference games. This is, this is what SEC football is about, and I'm uh, excited to see how we fare against these teams. Hey, I want to finish with this. I know this weekend is a, is a big one. I'm looking forward to being a part of the induction ceremony for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. I, I know you're looking forward to it there as well as you get enshrined, as your career certainly is worthy and deserving of. I want to say personally congratulations. You and I talked about this when the uh, news first came out, but uh, the induction ceremony here is this weekend. So I just wanted to say uh, how proud I am of you, Terrence, and how – I mean, I, I'll tell you this. You and I have obviously talked for years, and I am very well aware of your – college career I mean we all, we all are and I love talking to you about that but one of the cool things for me about my role I'm on the board of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame is I really learned a lot about high school careers that I really didn't know that much about Terrence I knew you were a good player in high school but I, I gotta be honest with you I didn't know that you would kind of put up the numbers that you had and your teammate Takeo Spikes what you guys did together there at Washington County and uh, you know, there are a lot of guys like that. You know, I've mentioned, you know, former dogs like, you know, Buck Ballou, who obviously I knew for his role in the 1980 National Championship team. But honestly, his high school stats were amazing, amazing, uh, way, way uh, maybe more uh, prolific than I expect them to be. Andy Johnson, the former quarterback uh, in the Athens area, uh, who obviously went on to great success at UGA. I kind of learned more about him there, too. It's been a fun thing for me to kind of educate myself on just how good some of these careers were, yours included. So, uh, congratulations on a well-deserved honor and uh, I know the entire Washington County f- family is very proud of of you guys going to the uh, Hall of Fame here on that and I just wanted to say that here before we head to the induction ceremony this weekend about how great it is to be connected to this and seeing your name right there where it belongs among the all-time greats to ever play at, on Friday nights here in the state of Georgia. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, if you go look at my numbers in high school, they're very different than what we see today. Um, I didn't throw for a thousand, uh, two thousand, three thousand yards. That that wasn't what we did at Wasikana. But what we did at Wasikana was we had a community uh, football program where it was Friday night lights, where everything shut down, and mm-hmm. that was the that's where everyone was on Friday nights in the House of Pain. And my head coach and uh, Rick Tomlin did a great job of preparing us for uh, Friday nights and preparing us for college and preparing us for life. Uh, one of the most my achievement that I'm very proud of is a team achievement that I was able to help my team win three state championships in high school, two as a starting quarterback, one mm-hmm. my freshman year when Takeo Spikes was a senior. Uh, then my junior and senior year as a starting quarterback, we went back-to-back undefeated years. And if anybody want to go see the best high school game ever in the state championship game, go back and watch 1996, Washington County versus America. I'll give you a little short story. Uh, we were down 21-0 midway through the f- third quarter. We were ranked number one. They are ranked number two. And my coach just gave me that look, Terrence, bring us home. We end up winning 22-21. Um, and I was the holder on a PAT. It was a bad snap. My center has never snapped a bad snap all year. He rolled it back to me. I ran around the left side, and I scored the, the 22 wow. to make it 22-21. Wow. And I preached this to all my kids were – we did that fire drill every day. And I tell my kids all the time, you never know when opportunity is going to meet preparation. I tell my kids that all the time. I never knew when that one play that my coach preached, at some point, if this play is going to win us a game, it won us a state championship. 
for that play. One single play that never happened in my life again, but it won us the state championship. So I think my coach had us prepared, had us ready, and I had great teammates. So three state championships, only losing four games in my high school career. Terrence, what a great story and, and what an awesome legacy that you and your teammates were a part of there. Thanks for sharing that with us. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, look forward to seeing you there this weekend for all, all of that there, too. And, of course, uh, back soon for our Dog Nation postgame show. We'll take a week off on that and come back and do that the following Saturday. Uh, but great stuff, as always. And, uh, Terrence, we'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you soon. Thank you. See you on Saturday. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so many great careers, and I, I tell you, it's one of the things that gets me excited about it. And, you know, listen, I'm one of those guys, like, I'm not smart enough to be a historian, but I do like history, if you know the difference. And so, you know, given the task of, you know, voting for these guys to go into the Hall of Fame for the first time and learning some about that, it, it you know, really is really amazing. Now, I'll, I'll give you another quick example of this. So this past week, uh, Jaden Gibson, the receiver from Rabin County, just set the all-time career record for receiving yards in Georgia high school football. And the record that he broke belonged to Stan Rome, who played at Valdosta. Rome is obviously going into the high school football hall of fame this weekend too. But this is like, you know, decades ago that the career receiving yards mark was set and yet was just broken here this past week. So we're in an age now in which you get Georgia high school quarterbacks completing 70% of their passes. You got teams scoring... You know, in some cases, you know, we got one team in the state at least, uh, Hughes scoring more than 50 points per game this year. You've got a number that are scoring, uh, you know, more than 40 points per game this year. Big high-scoring games in Georgia high school football are happening with regularity just the same way they are in college now. And, yet with the, all of that, the all-time receiving mark uh, in Georgia for a career was still set, like, decades ago until just this past week. Obviously, Stan Rome, the father of Jay Rome, who Georgia fans will remember, but it just gives you an idea to appreciate, man, how great some of the all-time greats, including some of the all-time greats, which took a little bit older for me to be able to remember. But that's what the Hall of Fame is sort of about. It's supposed to be about a historic recognition. And we'll get a chance to do that here this weekend with the inaugural class. Really, really excited about that taking place at the College Football Hall of Fame. is going to be the site for the induction ceremony. And then, obviously, the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame will kind of live on for years after that but the first class coming up this weekend really excited speaking of being really excited we're also really excited to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i continue to hear from a lot of you all who are planning on being on board the second ever dog nation cruise coming up this april and if you want to find out more about that royaldogs.com is a website you can go to royaldogs.com here's the thing i understand is that the independence of the seas the ship that we're going to be on we're leaving april 24th going to nassau on the bahamas perfect day coke okay the ship that we're going to be on already has a lot of fun things going on there's great stuff to do in nassau perfect day coke okay really is i believe a perfect day it's probably the single best place you can ever spend a day i would say pretty close for me i can't imagine anything i would enjoy more than a private island the bahamas like that just that just sort of sounds good already get the thrill side with the water park get the chill side with the largest freshwater pool in the bahamas all kinds of food and drink going on just a great great day and obviously on board the ship you get the entertainment broadway style shows you get the flow rider you got so many cool entertainment things to do but what makes a dog nation cruise so much special so so special is in addition to that you've got special dog nation events taking place we're gonna have a huge nfl draft party the final night of the cruise the nfl draft so we'll have a huge draft party going on last year that was an amazing experience uh, we're going to have, you know, some special kind of cocktail party get togethers and some fun and games and all kinds of things like that. So in addition to all the great stuff that already takes place on a Royal Caribbean cruise, you've got some special Dog Nation cruise special events going on, too. So Royal Caribbean has given us a name, a uh, travel agent specially selected for us to help book this cruise and take care of all of Dog Nation's cruise travel needs. Her name is Jessica Slater. I've gotten to know Jessica really well. Uh, we're good friends, and I think you'll really like her too. So give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She can get you booked up on this uh, Dog Nation cruise or any other World Caribbean cruise you want to take. Jessica's got you covered on all of that, so make sure you get her, uh, get in contact with her today. All right. Now, let's talk about something serious. So yesterday, a lot of you wanted me to address what appeared to be video of Jermaine Burton punching there's a couple different videos of him punching a you know two different people one of those uh, a woman 
after the end of the Alabama-Tennessee game. The honest truth is, is that yesterday I was a little bit of, I don't want to say afraid, that's the wrong word. I was cautious not to speak about the video until I knew for sure it was going to be confirmed. Well, it has been confirmed now. This has been acknowledged to be Burton, and I'll show you yesterday what I did not want to play for you uh, until we knew exactly what it was. It's been shared on Twitter now and TikTok and everything else of Burton kind of walking past the crowd of celebrators, celebrants, and uh, he's seen kind of lifting his hand in this particular video, uh, you know, kind of striking a, a, a woman here in this particular case. And I'm going to tell you what you already know. This isn't good, and especially considering the fact that that's not the only instance, apparently, in which Burton is alleged to have done that. Now, what I think is actually even more of a potential concern here is Nick Saban's response to this. You've heard it said that Saban's going to treat this like they do all discipline issues internally. But then beyond that, I want to read you this quote from Saban, who says that it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult situation for the league. It's a difficult situation for all of us that are in this situation. He says, we certainly don't condone any mistreatment of anybody, whether they should or shouldn't be there. I mean, he means on the field. I think you've got to have respect for other people. But at the same time, it's a difficult situation for all of us. This is not a good quote from Saban. And to me, it's another example of I don't know. Something just feels a little bit weird and different about Alabama right now. And this, what I believe, kind of mishandling of this situation publicly, I think puts Alabama in a little bit of jeopardy. I don't think you ever want to have a quote attributed to you where you say, I think you've got to have respect for other people, but like there is no but on the other end of that sentence, right? You know, I think you've got to have respect for people full stop. There is no like equivocation for why it's okay not to have respect for someone and some people are going to come back and say well she was on the field she's not supposed to be there y'all that may sound good in a social media conversation but that argument doesn't hold itself up in court it just doesn't anybody who has any experience with that's going to you know help explain you know why that's true that may sort of sound like sort of like a um you know logic in some sort of social media debate but that's not the kind of thing that becomes a legal defense in this particular case and i gotta tell you um when nick saban kind of behaves casually about this i do think that it opens the door for i mean if you're some i i don't know i mean i i just i just think it potentially makes what is already a pretty volatile situation potentially even more volatile and i'm not telling you that burton should never play again or anything like that frankly i don't know what the appropriate punishment here is on this but i think if you're nick saban you got to be really really careful being too casual about this and i think with this particular quote essentially shrugging it off saying it's handled internally and shrugging it all off to say you know basically blaming the people for being on the field for why you know jermaine burton struck them i don't think that works based on the video that we have here you know burton wasn't uh wasn't defending himself you know burton you know wasn't you know responding to some sort of threat to him he just appeared to be lashing out in frustration and you know basically disregarding this as the the fans were not where they weren't supposed to be i'm just telling you right now that's definitely not a legal defense nor do i believe that's much of a defense in the court of public opinion either we saw this other day with uh you know, uh, was the Raiders player that kind of had, you know, a similar incident that these kinds of things are, 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 are at times treated pretty seriously. I think that what Burton has done here is probably more serious than Nick Saban is acknowledging with his public remarks there. So I, I think there are a lot of reasons to question the culture currently at Alabama. And we said, hey, you know, there is no free lunch in life. There is no such thing as only upside, no downside. When you bring in a bunch of players from all over the galaxy and put them on the same team together who have no cohesion with each other, no connection to each other, you know, you may not necessarily have much of a team culture with all of that. And maybe that's some of what Alabama's here dealing with right now. This is clearly a headache and uh, it is clearly a, a messy situation. I'm not quite so sure that Saban did anything to make it better. If anything, he may have made it worse. Moving on to, uh, I guess, happier subject matter, a little bit more in keeping with our normal show content. I think this weekend provides a really interesting measuring stick opportunity for would-be playoff contenders. And let me kind of walk through the story of the season here for a moment. Georgia beat Oregon 49-3 to begin the year. And there was a lot of hype that came Georgia's way after that. Georgia quickly moved back up to number one. It didn't start the year at number one, but it moved to number one very quickly after that. 
And for some Georgia fans at the time, that was like too much. Georgia's getting praised too much, and it made some Georgia fans nervous. And what I told you was, and you'll remember this if you're a regular listener to our program, what I said was is that right now, if you want to go back to that point in the year, at that point, Georgia was the only national team that had really asserted itself at all. Alabama barely beat Texas. They didn't get much attention. Ohio State barely beat Notre Dame. They didn't get much attention. So Georgia was kind of the only team getting any hype because they were the only team that had really any kind of win of significance we sort of fast forward a few weeks use last week as an, as an example of this michigan got a big win they dominated penn state that's a validation of where kind of michigan is at this point in the year and i think you have to put them in the national contender category they were undefeated they played a soft schedule last week was the first opponent that mattered and michigan passed that test with flying colors tennessee more so than i certainly expect them to be announced their in inclusion into the national contender discussion by the way in which they beat alabama and all of a sudden now you think about tennessee as like a top four team and their playoff contender they are now a part of the national discussion well this upcoming week on saturday i think provides another opportunity especially given the fact that there aren't really a lot of like last week there were so many big games you couldn't pay attention to all of them as closely as you wanted to this week for the big teams playing in games they're going to get a little bit more attention than they otherwise might normally would and it will be an opportunity to sort of see what some of these teams are all about so let's kind of go through this here just really quickly for a moment you know clemson hosts syracuse now clemson's like a two touchdown favorite but syracuse undefeated they're ranked what 14th right now this is a chance for clemson to show one of two things either they're undefeated because they play in the acc or they're undefeated because they're actually good and you know they've kind of made it through what kind of counts in the acc is a tough stretch nc state and wake forest and florida state you know clemson's kind of been through that stretch of their schedule and now it's syracuse here on saturday that if clemson comes out and dominates here at home then i do think you have to probably treat them somewhat seriously as a as a legitimate playoff contender but right now i think i'm left to still kind of wonder how good is clemson really dj uyunglele is certainly in better shape this time now than he was a year ago but i'm not quite so sure this clemson defense although still formidable is as good as it was last season i don't quite know how good clemson is they may be very good they may be less than that i do think the syracuse game for them on saturday is a little bit of a showcase opportunity to say alongside of tennessee and alongside of michigan teams who've introduced themselves into the national discussion that clemson belongs to be there right now too but if clemson's only barely, barely beating syracuse or if in some crazy way they were to lose then at that point i'm probably not that interested in talking about clemson you know much right now i'd say a little bit of that's probably true for iowa too uh hosting or I should say ohio state hosting iowa on saturday they're a huge favorite in the game but iowa is good defensively and you know for ohio state here thus far this is kind of what sort of counts as a big game they haven't really played a ton of big games as of yet uh, notre dame's terrible iowa's not very good either but it is a chance for ohio state to show you a little bit more now they're going to show a lot more when they go to penn state next saturday but it's a little bit of a showcase for an ohio state team that's mostly winning its games easily while not really playing anybody of note this is i would believe the best defense they've played by far so far this season so it's a little bit of an example for ohio state to demonstrate something and then if you want to kind of get beyond that you know i'll give you two more games kind of way outside our region here for a moment uh tcu has been in a crazy stretch where they've played a lot of ranked teams in a row and they looked good doing so they host kansas state there on saturday um look tcu's not going to the national championship they're not going to make the college playoff but if they go through another one of these wins and they're you know still kind of doing what they're doing you at least have to give them a little bit of credit for that and i'll say the same thing for the ucla oregon game there too you know ucla is way better than almost anybody thought they would be they beat uh oregon now they go on the road to uh, i should say they beat utah now they go on the road to oregon I sort of don't really know what to expect from this game but if UCLA were to win I think you'd have to take them pretty seriously there too so if you're thinking about okay what's happening in college football right now with my team the Georgia Bulldogs off you do have teams like TCU and UCLA trying to show they're for real and then teams that are a little f higher up the food chain such as Ohio State and Clemson that really have a chance to demonstrate something on Saturday that we're getting closer to those first playoff rankings coming out but more importantly than that we're getting closer to having an idea of what the shortlist of true playoff contenders really is. 
and by the way, I guess you'll put Ole Miss going to LSU as an example of this too. Uh, slight underdog there in Baton Rouge, chance for the Rebels to prove something. As of now, they're still undefeated. And they're actually ranked ahead of Alabama in the SEC West. So let's include them in this discussion, at least for right now there as well. That the list of actual legitimate playoff contenders could be on its way to being whittled down some, or maybe in some cases, resumes uh, substantiated uh, a bit more. So something to think about there, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And uh, here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, want to focus here for a moment on the passing of Charlie Trippy. And listen, I said this on Twitter yesterday. Like I am decades too young to have known Trippy as a player. And yet I still have a lot of nostalgia for Trippy from the standpoint that my dad's dad told me a lot about him. My dad told me the stories that his dad had told him. My mom's dad, who was a big sports fan, kind of, you know, told those same things there as well. And like that's my nostalgia when it comes to Trippy. And listen, if you're a younger person than me, your dad very well might not be old enough to, to have a dad who knew anything about Charlie Trippy because we're talking about a player who's, you know, final year at Georgia came in 1946. That's a long time ago now. So I hope you will read the story at dognation.com or read, you know, just about the the Trippy legacy of his service to our country and his, you know, pro football Hall of Fame career. You know, I think of him as a dog, but uh, you know, he went on to be the number one overall draft pick of the Chicago Cardinals and went on to a pro football Hall of Fame career and obviously played the game in a very different time than it's uh, played now. And just living to be 100 years old is in itself an amazing accomplishment. And it's just a great story. It's it's an unbelievable legacy. And, you know, I'm lucky I've had a couple different chances to meet him over the years, many of you, because he was in the Athens area and he would make public appearances and things like that, especially, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, would make a lot more public appearances, do interviews and things like that, you know, be available for autograph signings. You've had a chance to really brush elbows with greatness, which is a really cool thing. And I'll also say this just really quickly. Now, this is kind of an odd, you know, maybe way to kind of take this story. But I spent some time today looking at like the 1946 Heisman race because Trippy actually finished runner up in that year's Heisman race to Glenn Davis. Now, Glenn Davis was kind of one of these sort of all-time great type guys, too. If you ever heard like Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside from Army at the time, West Point was power. Glenn Davis was you know, a guy that you know, almost won the Heisman Trophy two years before that, finally won it in 1946. And I was thinking, you, if you look at Trippy's numbers in comparison to Glenn Davis, he actually had better numbers. And you know the meme where like the woman and the man are sort of like laying back to back in bed and the woman saying, I bet he's thinking about other women and the man's like thinking about some crazy thing. Well, this is kind of like my life this morning where if my wife knew how much time I was spending like breaking down like the 1946 Heisman race. But I was really thinking about that. It's like, you know, for a guy like Trippy, you can make a case that, you know, he really should have won the award. Like he had better numbers than Davis. He went on to a better pro career. Some of that for Davis was obviously impacted because he got injured. And Davis was like a really big, like kind of a celebrity type figure. He would go on to date Elizabeth Taylor at a time, and that was a very big deal in the early 1950s. So Davis was kind of a celebrity, and that probably aided him in winning the award. But this is what I was thinking about. This is a very odd thing to think, but I was thinking about this. Like, can you imagine if there was a Dog Nation Daily in the 1940s? Like, how big of a deal that would be for us, you know, kind of pushing Trippy to win the award in a time when, like, back then, Atlanta as a city was much smaller. Like, Atlanta didn't really explode in population like the 1960s. Like, southern towns were just smaller. And southern towns weren't really represented in the media as appropriately as they probably should have been. So, a southern guy like Trippy trying to win the uh the Heisman Trophy against this national figure Glenn Davis from Army just had no chance of doing that and I was just sort of thinking it's a real shame that we didn't have a dog nation daily back then to make the case yeah you put it in black and white there that's a little black and white to kind of think back on the that's what dog nation Daily would have looked like back in 1946 yeah maybe that's the case uh but but um uh but, you know, if you had that back then to make that case, maybe Trippy would have won the award. Now, listen, his legacy doesn't need the Heisman Trophy. Obviously, he's a pro football Hall of Famer. He's, you know, a retired jersey at Georgia. There's only four of those. His legacy stands up on its own without that. But 
there is a special cachet for that. Hey, you won the Heisman Trophy. Frank Sinkwich is kind of remembered because he was a Heisman Trophy winner. Herschel Walker would be remembered forever because he was a Heisman Trophy winner. And you sort of wish there was a little bit more of a media apparatus down here in this part of the country back then to make what I believe is a deserving case that Trippy, who was the runner up, should have won it in 1946. And I guess in a roundabout way, and I'll wrap this up, I see the same thing in other sports there, too. It's like the more I look on the career of, like, say, Dale Murphy, the Atlanta Braves, you know, he ought to be in the Hall of Fame. I think more people now are kind of coming to that same conclusion. And yet maybe when you had the chance to really make that argument, maybe the argument wasn't made as aggressively as it should have been back then. Or like a guy like Andrew Jones later on for the Braves. I think you have a strong case to be made that he should be in the Hall of Fame there as well. But once again, maybe in the moment, the argument wasn't made as strongly as it could have been. I guess what I'm saying is this. Is it sometimes sort of like Homer media gets a uh, – uh, a bad uh, uh, knock sometimes. But the truth is, is if back in the 1940s, if we didn't make the case for Trippy to win the Heisman Trophy, he was going to. Or if you don't make the case for Dale Murphy to make the Hall of Fame, you know, down here in kind of Braves country, well, who's going to? I can promise this, the people in New York aren't going to do it. The people in Boston aren't going to do it. That sometimes there's a case to be made for making the case for your own because if you don't, then there's no one left to make the case for them. So the bottom line here is, is that the Trippy legacy stands up no matter what. I mean, his... He is not just a great football player. He's a great American, an all-time great, a legacy that we should all you know, be inspired by. But you can go back and look at that 1946 season, and you can make a pretty good case that maybe he should have been the Heisman Trophy winner. And I only wish there'd been somebody there to make the case for him way back then. Uh, let me also, uh, I guess, uh, give a shout-out to our friends at the Durham Law Group here there as well. You're, you're hurt on the job. You're injured in an accident. You want to be made right, and our friends at the Durham Law Group give you a chance to to do that. And they don't just practice personal injury law; they define it. What that means is there are no fees, no expenses unless you win. They don't benefit unless you benefit, and that's the commitment they're willing to make for you. And they're going to go to work for you and get you what you deserve in a situation like this. So give them a call eight four 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 G A hurt. That's eight four 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 G A hurt. Or you can also find them online at georgiahurt.com that website once again georgiahurt.com all right we got a bunch of golden shoes to give out today i I want to give out a few of these let me start you know we talk about our dog nation cruise one of the great dog fans on our dog nation cruise with our buddy james lawson commenter to our show sometimes and he reached out to me on twitter yesterday after the passing of trippy to kind of talk about his own personal experience here and i share this because so many people have told similar stories here in the last little bit that his wife jenny worked at the bookstore her senior year and was assigned to kind of be with trippy for his autograph table when he was there with his wife this is going back years ago she says uh my wife got to know them told them about our upcoming wedding and then a year later we went back to see them and the two of them actually remembered her he was a dgd and that's kind of the cool thing when you're like the sort of like the legend status and for decades that's what trippy was a lot of people want your time a lot of people want you know kind of have that moment with you and trippy was always really good at making those folks feel welcomed and obviously he leaves behind a great legacy and we remember him quite fondly here today also golden shoe going out to uh some folks who continue to kind of make fun of the current state of the alabama situation robert uh shared this with me on twitter roll tears roll yeah, it feels like you're getting a lot of that here right now. And uh, Robert will laugh at Alabama a little bit on that. And also uh, one more to give out to you here today there as well. Georgia on tap. Thanks for sharing this. Getting ready for the lousy, stinking Gators on the football field coming up two Saturdays from now. But uh, Georgia on tap sharing with us that uh, Georgia also got the sweep against Florida in volleyball there as well. Knocking off number 11 Florida. Uh, dogs running their record now to 13-5, 4-3 in conference and uh that's great to see anytime you beat the lousy stinking gators that's always something to celebrate and i appreciate georgia on tap sharing that with us here today so we'll give a golden shoe to him and to the uga volleyball team for getting that big win uh fun to consider by the way speaking of lousy stinking gators long national title drought now stretches 5033 days that's a lot of sadness in gator country and we don't mind that at all in fact we're ready to deal some more out nine days from right now we've now reached single digits in our gator hater countdown boy that's cool to think about and we will see you tomorrow right here on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down a uh, couple comments here you can always reach out via twitter at dog nation daily and uh, online at uh, dognation.com. you can always do that when we post the show at dognation.com in the comment section you can kind of pop in there and do that i do want to mention this really quickly we talked about the burton situation on the show today so there's this tweet that keeps being shared it's by a guy his name is richard g west and it's rgw news 
Um, and the tweet basically says that uh, Burton was booked, basically charged for striking the 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 person we've seen on on the video here. The Burton video is real. Nick Saban has acknowledged it, but a few of you have shared this particular tweet with me, and that is not real. Burton was not charged in this situation. And like one of the ways you can sort of spot fake news is is that when everybody's sharing it, but it's all the same tweet, and the person that's tweeting it's not particularly famous. Uh, that's usually a pretty good tip that the news is fake. And some people just like, you know, the line from like the Batman movie about the Joker just like see the world burn. Like some of these fake news sharers, like their only purpose here is to sort of see the world burn. And so this tweet got a lot of attention, but it was not real. Burton, I guess, is guilty. Saban has acknowledged of of striking the person in the video. Um, and we'll see what comes of that. But he has not been charged as that one tweet that's been shared a million times has kind of expressed so uh just just kind of pointing that out there uh also uh, dustin who's a great uh, uh twitterer uh wrote into me there as well and said that he wanted to see alabama deliberately voted number one for the remainder of this regular season so we can see how awkward their claims to half championships are through the lens of present day rankings which is kind of an interesting point of view at you know, Alabama has a tendency to kind of pencil whip you when it comes to national championships. Like one day, one of their SIDs just kind of went back through history and just sort of made up a bunch of national championships. And all of a sudden, Alabama's claiming now they've since then won, you know, lots of legitimate ones. But prior to that, like a lot of the, how many did they say they've won? 18 national championships, something like that. Some of those titles are pretty specious claims. Uh, we would all kind of acknowledge that. And actually, it's kind of a funny point by uh, Dustin, but it also kind of makes me think of, you go back and look at the 1946 season for Georgia. You know, based on some of the stuff that Bama's claiming, Georgia just claimed the 46 national championship. Uh, that's an undefeated team. They're really, really good. Um, uh, by the way, the one thing I did not remember, or not, I shouldn't say remember, I have no memory of this at all, but the only thing I did not know until, um, uh, you know, kind of reading about Trippy's life here, you know, over the course of the last 24 hours, he actually played on the 42 team. So he played on that team um, and then stepped away, went to the Army, and came back and played on the 46 team, which was you know his big season at Georgia, and I believe an undefeated team at UGA. Uh, am I right about that? Maybe I'm not. But either way, uh, claim the 46 national championship. Claim it, you claim it in 42, claim it in 46, and see if you can find you a couple more while you're at it because uh, that's seemingly what Alabama has done as well. So pretty funny stuff from Dustin there on that. We appreciate you being here for our podcast, School Down Today. You can find R.S. Andrews online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can find them today online, rsandrews.com. They'll get your heating unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs this time of year when it's been cold like it has been. That is a very good thing. So trust them for that. Once again, rsandrews.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and